Well, hi there, and welcome to Unshaken. I'm Julie Van Warmer, your host for today's episode, and I'm so glad you're joining me. Hey, I want to take a minute before we get started and invite you to head over to our socials, Facebook and Instagram. Follow or like us at Women of the Word CTW. This is the umbrella account that covers and highlights the podcast our blog called Planted, our mom-to-mom ministry aimed towards encouraging mothers, and our Regarding Him conference that happens yearly in March, and of course, this podcast and all that goes with it. There is so much good content you are going to want to follow, so do that today. That will always be in our show notes each and every week. Hey, also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast directory. It really helps us out, and it also helps you out, because you get notification of new episodes episodes that drop each and every Thursday. You can reach out to us at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. If you ever have any ideas, suggestions, thoughts about an episode, or maybe you just want to tell me about how an episode has encouraged or challenged you to live for Christ. Finally, as you know, Unshaken is a podcast for women and put out by women, and our goal is to encourage, challenge, and point women to Jesus Christ. And as you know, with Jesus, we can be unshaken no matter our circumstances. Hey, today we're going to listen to a pre-recorded talk about that exact thing, about what happens when our circumstances are completely shaken out from underneath us and we can't control what's going on. We're going to listen as one woman shares how a medical diagnosis changed her life, but how it taught her so much about God and how to serve Him no matter your circumstances. Hey, let's head into today's episode. If we are going to have any sort of talk about joyfully surviving illness, we first have to talk about why it is we are here. And that is to glorify God. That is our purpose in this life, is to glorify God. Um, And the connection between how we handle our trials and glorifying God can't be broken in the life of a Christian. We can't do one without the other. Today I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. Some of it's good and some of it's kind of ugly. And as I do, I want you to think about yourself or your loved ones. How is God's glory being manifest in your life through your trial? How can you help someone to see God's glory in theirs? How do we look at God's truth? How do we know God's truth to help us through the very things that he has put in our lives to grow us? That's a lot. But we know if we dig into those things That's the only way we're going to ever have a thought of having joy in this life. Now, because we have hope, I want to change that up a little bit. When they gave me the title of the talk, Joyfully Surviving, I thought, joyfully surviving. I want to change that up. Because we have hope, I want to say that we're joyfully thriving. That we're enjoying a life that's rich and full and active in the kingdom of God. Thriving because I don't know about you, but I don't want to just survive. I don't want to just get by. I want to have a life that is bold and joyful. And if you're like me, that takes a little bit of work because we're tired and we have pain and we have tri- trials. But you know what? It's, it's worth it to put that extra effort into it. It's worth it for us 
It's worth it for the person sitting next to you. And I'm going to tell you that it's worth it to those in your sphere, some of whom are literally dying to see Jesus in this world. They want to know the hope that you have. All right? So we have to do it. Now, I have been forced to take out some trash as I prepared for this. Anybody that's ever given a talk, you probably know you have to do a little house cleaning because <laughs> your house looks a little dirty when you're getting ready to tell people certain things. You know, because truth be told, I have sometimes suffered in a way that glorifies God. And sometimes, hmm, you probably wouldn't even know that I know who he is. And that's, you know, I listen to the world around me. I listen to my own inner voice. You know, the world's out there telling us, oh, listen to your own inner voice. And that's just bull. <laughs> don't, don't do that, okay? But in those times, I've allowed myself to wallow in my circumstances, to complain, to carry on. Um, I've been really wrong in dealing with the circumstances that God has put before me. So we're going to talk about how the world wants us to think about this stuff because how we are called to think about this stuff as a follower of Christ and how the world is telling us are two very different things. We are here for his glory and there is so much joy to be had when we think about that, we purpose for it, and then we live it out. And you see on my list of things here, I have a chronic dry mouth. So my water is going to be my friend today. So two main things in this journey that I've grown to understand better is who God is and who I am before him. And I say better, but not fully, because all of us in this room would probably admit that that's where we need a lot of reality checks, right? Um, but I am confident in what I have learned and how God has grown me and how God will grow every one of us in this room. God is sovereign. His ways are not our ways. So the first doctrine that I have really grown attached to is the doctrine of God's sovereignty. And this doctrine tells us that God is in charge of everything. And I mean everything, even the worst of your circumstances or the best of your circumstances. And that can really be difficult to wrap our heads around, right? How can, how can you do this? And I tell you, like I've said before, um, you know, for me, in times of suffering, for some of you who are probably, maybe some of you are just here because you have a loved one that suffers, and it's hard for you to watch it as well. But it's really hard for us to wrap our heads around it. But when we think about the second doctrine, which is the doctrine of God's providence, which tells us that God is good, God is wise, and God is very purposeful in his sovereignty. When we think about those two things together, there's nothing that we can do, we must conclude that we are here for his glory and that our circumstances are indeed good and it is joy. Now, my personal journey to this started when I was about 17. I was diagnosed with systemic lupus erythematosus. Do y'all remember 17? Some of us, you know, it was a little farther away than it was for others, but I tell you, I had one in my household turn 17 last week. 
and I was, you know, thinking about this talk and watching her, and I remember living life with that kind of exuberance, ready to take on the world, having that sense of immortality. Remember that? Nothing was going to get in our way. And that's exactly what I was at 17. Well, I didn't feel quite so hot. <laughs> so I had a plan. I had a huge plan. And boy, it was all about me. I was going to go to college, and I was going to own college, let me tell you. And I was going to go on to med school. I was going to become a research oncologist. I was going to work all the time. And I was going to be famous for it, let me tell you. <laughs> but at the time of diagnosis, 33 years ago, I just turned 15, 50 this year, lupus was still sort of a relative unknown. And in fact, one thing that they thought they knew for certain was that the younger that you're diagnosed, the more violent, dramatic, traumatic, the course of the disease. So I was told I had about 10 years to live. And I remember, you know, that's a lot for a 17-year-old to take in. It was incredible. Um, I remember that night I could not sleep. And I got up the next day and I went for a walk. And I released it all to God. So we're good now, right? We're done with the talk? <laughs> no. <laughs> Because you know what? I didn't know what that meant. <clears throat> I grew up with a religious education. I went to Sunday school. I had First Communion. I went to catechism. I was confirmed. But I didn't know what it meant to release anything to God. I didn't have a personal relationship with him. It just wasn't something that I had been brought up with. You know, it wasn't something that was in my scope. So, life events in the world were quickly able to sort of overtake my thought processes. There was a fear of the unknown, and it took a foothold. I went up to college, and I was still intending to do all the things I'd planned. But, you know, that fear sort of translated into me making some bad decisions. I decided living large was way better because you know what? If I didn't act sick, nobody was going to know I was sick. And you know, there's kind of judgment sometimes that come with, oh, you're one of those sick people or whatever. But I didn't want to live that life. I wanted to live the life big, my choice. If I died young, at least I had fun, right? But I was miserable, spiritually, emotionally. I was just miserable. It is interesting, though. I'll tell you this. I look back at my life, and I think about that time period, and I think of God's faithfulness. I knew his presence even then. And that just taught me that when you are God's, he does not let go of you. No matter what stupid decisions you choose. All right? So eventually I would turn my path back and start to focus on God. He knew, and this is, this is hard to say. Some of you might take it. You know, it's, it's a hard thing to say, but he knew what I needed to follow him. And for me, it's this, this collection of things. Because without this collection of things that draw me to him, 
for purpose and safety and, and joy and all of that, I'd be on my own and I would be doing things my own way. He knew that it would be this collector of ills. Now on occasion, these things roar like a lion. But sometimes, you don't know what I don't tell you. Both things have taught me a lot, both ends of that spectrum. So I've had to, over the years, redefine some terms. Both who am I and who is God. And probably the first thing that I really had to get a grasp on was what it meant to have success. Because I was young and success was important to that. But, you know, I had an ego and I had a plan and that wasn't going to get to happen. I had memory issues. I was tired, um, pain, and I, and I was bitter and angry. Um, I wanted something big to happen in my life. But God has since taught me that success, the way I was thinking about it, was a totally man-made concept. And it didn't have anything to do with him. Especially if I wasn't leaning on him to get there. I had to consider what it meant to fail. And was I failing if I didn't achieve my own plan? Why wasn't God good enough for me in those times? Hmm. I don't know about you, but it's, I think probably we're all women. It's difficult to relinquish control of anything. You know, we wanna, don't want to shift our thinking. Especially for me, as you look at me and you don't see an ill woman, you know? But yet, something's going on that has changed my trajectory. You know, if you knew me when I was spouting off all my plans and then now all of a sudden I haven't gotten there, how did I get from going from point A to point B and said now I'm point A to point Z? You know, that's really hard. Hard to wrap your mind around. But I've really learned in all of this that God's plan for my life is so rich. As Becky told you, I'm married. I've been married for 23 years. And I have four beautiful daughters ranging in age from 22 to 12. And we together as a family take on a lot of ministry opportunities. And the one that God has laid on our hearts and in our hands right now is fostering. And we started off with two beautiful foster babies, and now we have four. Because they're all siblings, so it wasn't the intention that we had, but it certainly was the intention that God had. So we're busy. <laughs> but I'll tell you, my life isn't easy. On any given day, I have to have a big pep talk with myself. I wake up with headaches, my vision is blurry, my eyes are dry, I have um, joint and muscle pain, I get all these frequent tendinitis. You know, I have to have big pep talks with myself, but I can't leave God out of those pep talks. I have found that when I seek him, seeking to know him, praying in earnest, then I truly have strength. Outside of it, on those days when I try to do it myself, oh, those are not good days. 
One of the biggest things I've had to consider in all of this is the word mercy. And you've probably, if you're someone going through a trial, or if you know somebody who's gone through a trial, the world asks, and you may have asked on your own, how is God merciful when he continues to make you suffer this way? How is he merciful in that? I'll tell you what, his presence and faithfulness in my life through my suffering have taught me that whatever draws me closer to him is indeed an act of mercy. You got that? Whatever draws us to him is merciful. It may not look like the world wants it to look, but it is merciful. Those times when I've talked about how my illnesses have roared like a lion, I have had this peace that I can't even understand. Even when I've gone in for procedures, and I've had a few, (laughs) or when the doctor says, you know, we're not really sure what's going on here. I've had a peace. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. And Isaiah 26, 3, speaking of God, says you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. I have been able to praise him in the storm, not because of anything I've done, but because he keeps his promises. There is some work on our part, absolutely. We have to be diligent to know him. We have to be willing to be emptied and allow God to fill us and rule our thoughts. And we can't ever get to a place where we stop being diligent in that. We have to know him and we have to know his word. Now, there's some controversy on this, but do you know how many times it says in God's word, do not fear or something similar? I've heard 365, but people say that's a squash. So, but it doesn't matter. It says it a lot, a lot. And God means it. He promises to be with us in the darkest of times. He promised it to Jacob and David and Joshua and myriad other people in the Bible. And he didn't mean it, doesn't mean it any less for you and me than he meant for them. Trust that. He keeps his promises. But you have to know them first. All right? We need to know that the truth of our circumstances is that God makes all of our circumstances good. Do you believe that? Romans 8.28 says it. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Notice that it says in all things. It doesn't say when Michelle's well, it's all good. When Annette's all happy, it's all good. When Julie's all without her lymphedema, it's all good. It doesn't say that. It says in all things. And that some days is dark. But it's truth. There is no differentiation. And we have to have hope that God is working things out in our present day to say that we have hope in our future. Because both of them are in the hands of Christ for those who believe. We're not sovereign over our future, but we can have every hope. And we have to live that out. Christ shed his blood for a reason, and because of that we can have abundance and a life full of joy. Now, 
joyfully thriving in the midst of our circumstances might seem really insurmountable. There are days when it seems like, I can't do this. But there are certainly some practical things that we can do to live this out, some do's and some don'ts, if you will. First and foremost, we have to take care of ourselves. Now, that I don't mean the trendy new me day, you know? Although it is fun to go have a massage with your girlfriends and get your nails done. But what I mean is your day-to-day care. Make sure you're taking care of yourself. It is really difficult for people to come along beside us and walk through trials with us if we're not taking care of ourselves. So, um, this can cause a lot of anxiety, right? Just how am I going to take care of myself? And I want to start this part by telling you that I'm a pharmacist and I believe in pharmaceutical therapy and I believe in non-traditional therapy. So there's no bias on my part. But we can't be jumping on the wrong train, okay? Um, We have to remember that nothing is fruitful outside of the care of our great physician. Sometimes, in fact, it can be completely counterproductive when we go searching out all these different ways to handle something, okay? We must remember that we aren't simply looking for physical healing. We are looking for spiritual peace. And some of these ventures can just rob us of our time and relationship with the Lord. So if you're out there jumping on bandwagons, stop it. All right? Just stop. And social media. I love social media. But social media sometimes, it can be too much for people who are suffering through trials. If you try this oil, all this is going to go away. If you stop eating nightshade vegetables, you're going to be fine. If you go to the chiropractor six times a week and stand on your head, everything's groovy. Likewise, you can't take a pill for everything that bothers you. All right? These are both, both options have good parts in them. They're gifts from God. God has provided modern medicine. He's provided alternative medicine. But it has to be used with him as part of the equation. All right? Scripture tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Take this part of your life to him in prayer. Ask him to guide your regimen. All right? Ask him to help you accept those circumstances that he's put you in. Ask him for peace in your trial. There are a lot of voices that are out there sort of clamoring to get your attention. They want you to put your thoughts and expertise above seeking God, and that's just not an option. While you're at it, also pray for those who are providing care for you. Pray that they will have your best interest at heart. Even though you should avoid all that clamor, you do need to have people in your life. But they need to be strong people of faith. You need to surround yourself with them and be very vulnerable. One such person for me is my husband, and I'm blessed that he is there. 
but I challenge him. I'm obstinate. <laughs> and his response is always, trust God, trust God, trust God. And he's always right. But sometimes he'll back off a little bit and let me do my thing. And one such time is I wanted to go back to work. Now I really like what I do, so that wasn't the problem. But I wanted to go back to work full time because I didn't trust God with our finances. So I made up this whole plan, you know. Okay, Kevin, I can get the girls to school. I had them enrolled in school before I even asked. Um, I can get the girls to school. I can pick them up. I can get them to sports. We can do this. I'll do that. I promise you'll still have a hot meal on the table. Yada, yada, yada. I had it all worked out. <laughs> but I didn't really because I didn't stop to think about what all that added pressure would do to my body. And it wasn't long before the lung disease that I had been diagnosed with probably, I don't know, 10 years earlier with, came into full exacerbation and I needed treatment. Now I had been on high dose steroids for about three years at the onset of the disease. And if you've ever been on high dose steroids for anything, they are buggers. They are not our friends. <laughs> they are our friends. But I'll tell you in pharmacy school, they make us draw a stick figure on a big piece of paper and then lay out the side effects all around it. It's a lot. So I'd been on those steroids and I had required two hip replacements because of them. I also had some changes to my body that made me real anxious. I did not want them. And the doctor agreed that steroids would not be the best option. So we decided on chemotherapy. And um, I was on six months of one sort of therapy and that didn't work. So then we did another and that worked enough. And then I also had four months of pulmonary rehab and boy, that wasn't convenient for anybody, was it? <laughs> you know, that I need to go back to work to handle our finances. Well, here comes the bill for that other stuff. You know, and I, one of the chemos I had was a monoclonal antibody, which if you know about those, those cost a lot of money. So I guess a lesson learned, right? I had to refocus, okay? I had to stop and think about who God is, what he does, and what he's already done for me. Because we know that worry and anxiety in someone who deals with illness, chronic or acute, is counterproductive, isn't it? We need to give our anxious thoughts to God because he gives us exactly what we need always. Always. Now, along with anxiety, we have to talk about depression it is a real thing in the life of someone who suffers from chronic illness or acute illness or many other trials. So clinically, when we look at this demon, there are two sort of major ways that it manifests. One is because your body's going through changes, you're on medications, you develop a real chemical imbalance. The other one has to do more with this is the situation I'm going through and how we're dealing with it. Get help for both, all right? It is not a sin 
to take medication to get your chemical makeup back in balance. Likewise, it's okay to talk to someone about it. It is very important though that we talk about depression as part of searching God out in our trial because depression can put the stops on so many things in our life, relationships and day-to-day -day activities and just how we care for ourselves and it can really help us to fall into deeper despair. Are you familiar with Johnny Erickson Tata? Most of you are. For those of you that aren't, she is this amazing woman. Oh my goodness. At the age of 18, she misjudged some water depth and dove headfirst into the Chesapeake Bay and ended up as a quadriplegic. She's almost 70 years old now. Did you know that? So 50 years she's lived with this, which is in the medical sense, miraculous. But I'll tell you, I think it has everything to do with her emptying herself and being used by God. And boy, is she. So if you don't know who she is or if you're going through something, I highly recommend her ministry. So she wrote an essay called My Suffering Has Not Defined Me. And I would, I would look into that. Um, it's fantastic. But she talks about how as women, we long to feel secure and significant. And we want to be able to touch something. So our faith isn't always something we can feel and touch. You know, it's, we want to be something that actualizes our identity. So it can be really difficult when we're suffering and going through the midst of something. We don't, it's not that we discount Jesus, but sometimes we kind of shove him to the back, right? And we start to dig ourselves out of the hole or think that we can dig ourselves out of the hole because we can't do it. All right? Um, I think we're all guilty of this sometimes, aren't we? We try to get ourselves out of the hole. We have to remember that we are not our own. We have been bought with a price and a very high price at that. And because of that, we have to know that our value is that we're going to be well cared for. Now then there's Satan, and he comes and he tries to grab a foothold in all this. And I want you to understand that I'm not... Depression in and of itself is not a sin, okay? It's, it's not a sin. But sin can easily creep in as we are enduring our pain and fatigue and our limitations and our fear. We hear Satan say things like, you are alone. Don't ask for help because you are just a burden. Nobody knows what you're going through. We have to carry these lies to Christ and remember that he will care for us. As Job said to God, you have granted me life and steadfast love and your care has preserved my spirit. Allow his care to permeate your circumstances. Um, another book in God's word that I love during these times of trial is James. Um, it talks about what good things come from trial and gives us great comfort. In our fight against Satan, we need to know God. Get in the word and know where God helps us through trial. It has been, um, and it can be, very difficult to accept a new physique when we're going through trial. You know, 
plus for me, I'm getting older. So that's, you know, there's a lot to that. But um, a new physique can be really challenging to our minds. And especially in the case of depression. You know, I'd been on steroids for all those years. I couldn't exercise the way I was used to. I need a lot of exercise to just stay chubby. I don't, you know, I do. And I can't do what I used to do because I don't exchange oxygen correctly and I have joint and muscle issues. But this is how God made me. I'm made in his image regardless. Just like all the different jars that Leanne had up on the stage, we're all different. But it can be something that really plays a role in our depression. We have to remember that how we look physically in the course of our trial really is insignificant. And probably the details are really only noted by us personally. So we really have to be careful about our perception of our outward appearance and how it affects our depression. If we let depression rule, we can see a lot of other demons sort of take hold of our lives. I've had to deal with jealousy. I don't know about you, if you've gone through something, but especially if you go through it chronically, and then along comes someone who has something acute, and they get this rally. And you're like, hello, over here. You know, I've been over here chatting water. Why? You know, and it's not that we don't want our loved brothers and sisters in Christ cared for. We do. We want to be part of the care, but it can still be hard. Um, you know, we have to be careful about how we react to that. So that discontentment and that jealousy can really divert our eyes from God's goodness in our own life. And it also helps, doesn't help us as we try to aid others to see God's goodness in theirs. I've also had to deal with anger at times and some other negative emotions. And I have to fight these. And you have to fight these. And we have to give God praise. Now, a tactic to alleviate some of this anxiety and depression is something that I've had to relearn. I say relearn, but I know, I wonder if I ever knew it in the first place, was the topic of rest. You know, overburdening myself with the cares of the world can just allow the thief in and rob me of a lot of joy. My body can't take it, and I suffer physically, spiritually, emotionally. Um, There have been times when I simply haven't leaned on Jesus, and it not only affects my relationship with him, but it affects my relationship with you. And I, there are bridges that I have burnt, just to be quite blunt about it. Already, our disease process and medications and treatments can drag us down. Our minds have to focus on Jesus. Being overly exhausted keeps us from the word and from prayer. Both are the things that we need to sustain us. And we have to know ourselves in this area. It is key. If you want to joyfully thrive, this is key. Now, certainly we can't make excuses. I don't want to hear you say, I can't do anything, I'm whatever. I'm sick, I'm whatever. But I want you to think about it, and I need to think about it. How does our accounting of our energy glorify God? Are we doing all the fun stuff and then not having any time to take care of others 
or even take care of ourselves? Or are we saying, oh, I can't do anything fun. I can't have any joy because it's too exhausting and then I can't do these other things. Our accounting in this area has to be glorifying to God. and You have to give it thought. Now, we also have to deal with idols that are lurking as we suffer. Idols that rob us of joy and certainly will not allow us to thrive. And what do those idols look like? I suppose they look different to everybody. But I want to ask you a question. Are you someone that has to let everyone know every time something is up? And again, social media. Oh my goodness, social media. It is great and necessary to have prayer warriors on your behalf. Go get them. Round them up. Have lots of them. I know that for me, some of my greatest peace comes from knowing that others are praying for me. You need that. What I'm talking about in this scenario, what is not okay, is shopping for sympathy, shopping for trite assurances, and permission to wallow. I have been there. And I don't mean like crying yourself to sleep once in a while. I mean digging it in there, getting down, way down in the dirt, Sorrow, woe is me. Ooh. God is not glorified in this, and neither will you find joy. Likewise, He is not looking, He's not glorified when you are in a circumstance looking to the next one. Instead of saying, God, thank you for what you've seen me through, you're looking. Well, pretty soon I'm going to feel bad again, or pretty soon this is going to happen. Don't do that. Cultivate a heart of gratitude for what he has already seen you through. Know him. Know his promises. Give him praise and give him glory. On the same note, um, is that, that's not me, is that okay? <laughs> On the same note, <clears throat> you might think that complaining for a quick minute isn't a problem. But complaining can easily become our master. And eventually it becomes the only thing that we are able to have a conversation about. It becomes an idol. And we lose. God will turn us over to it because it's idolatry speech. I guarantee you one thing that I know for absolute certain is that sin will never fix your circumstance. It just won't. All right? Complaining only serves to tear down our house. And maybe you've been there. I've been there. I can tell the days where I'm whining and wallowing. My whole family is at odds. It infects our loved ones. And it can set up environments of manipulation. And it also discounts the reality of our living God. Recall the Israelites. They didn't get to see the promised land because they spent so much time complaining. Scripture is very clear that we do all things without it. And how many of us need to stop and repent of this more times than we care to admit? Now, our circumstances are our reality, and there's no time for a pity party. We can turn this on its head by developing an attitude of praise. The praise that you bring while you're suffering you know, 
be it pain, heartache, doubt, or fear, that's called a sacrifice of praise. And God is so pleased by that. Praise him even when you don't know how or what words to use. Now, if you're like me, it can be hard to be content during our times of trial. But remember whose you are. Is your reality set upon the solid foundation of a sovereign God? If so, there's no loss. You can't lose. Fight your discontentment with your situation. Do not wallow or wait upon the next bad thing. Stand up and fight. Know your God. Give him all the praise and glory. As part of this discontentment cycle, we sometimes can keep score. You and your neighbor and your sister and your friend and even your enemy all have something going on, right? We talked about that earlier in one of the sessions. Everybody has something. We're not in competition, okay? What you do when you think we're, we're in competition is we're letting the thief steal our joy. God's not keeping score. He's not handing out suffering until you reach a certain point level. Our circumstances are for our own good and God's glory. A.W. Tozer said, When I understand that everything happening to me is to make me more Christ-like, it resolves a great deal of anxiety. That's truth. It helps us to think on the bigger picture, being more Christ-like. Remember that God said he will never give you more than you can handle? No. He didn't really say that. Not like that. But in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he did promise that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you might be able to endure it. So our temptations are to complain, to be anxious, to sow the seeds of bitterness, and be discontent by comparing our circumstances to others. Our way of escape is purposeful, heartfelt praise for our Heavenly Father. We can look to Paul. We can follow his example. Be content. Be grateful for those around you. Stay connected. Do not shelter yourself from others, even when you know you might be called out for the way you're handling your circumstances. There are times also that we need to be reminded that God is faithful even when people are not, okay? And that's hard because we sometimes give that attribute to God. When people around us have walked away or let us down in these situations, God is still right there. God is faithful. Don't give him that attribute. That's not his, all right? Oh, my goodness. I have taken back my circumstances more times than I should probably admit. I should have probably written that on the board, but I would have needed like to use all the walls. (sighs) You know, it just makes a big unhappy mess. Only when I count on God fully and allow him to break my will and remember that he is sovereign in all circumstances do I even stand a chance of joyfully thriving. He's going to break our will. He's going to put pressure on us. But when he refills us, we are stronger than we were before. 
We were not built to handle any of this on our own. How many of you are trying? How many of you have been through periods where you've tried? I think we would all raise our hands with that second question. I heard once, if God's provision were like bullets, then we have more than plenty of ammunition for this fight. Do you believe that he's equipped you? Do you? All right. So, finally, our confidence in Christ should lead to a life that desires to serve him. No matter the circumstance, our joy comes in serving the Lord. Be a worker, one that is joyfully thriving. Now, I know not everyone can do the same work. All right? We have to put aside our limitations. Actually, really look around our limitations. They're going to be there. Learn to look around them. All right? Perhaps you can't spend all day in the kitchen making food for the homeless, but you know somebody that does. Write them a note of encouragement. Send them a text saying, well done. You know? Be their cheerleader. Perhaps you can't stay up all night to pray, or you can't fast for days on end. But you can make similar sacrifices. Be willing to make similar sacrifices. Seek out kingdom work. All right? Susanna Spurgeon, the wife of Charles Spurgeon, <coughs> sorry about that. <coughs> she was an invalid through, I think, all of their marriage, right? She had been ill, and then she'd had a botched surgery, and she couldn't leave the house. But, you know, her husband was a well-known preacher, and he wrote great lectures, and she really felt after she read them that they needed to get into the hands of many, many people. So she wrote letters and started this thing called the Book Fund and was able then to publish her husband's work and get it out into the hands of many, many preachers. She never left her house, okay? So see, I mean, we can be modified strength to those people around us. You know, Christ so sacrificially died on the cross for us, and he enabled us then to partake of his power here on earth. That is something we have to lean into. That's our reality. We have to trust him with the big picture and the details. And again, I know that is so hard for us as women. We struggle. We want to see the end. We want to have the details. We want to handle everything ourselves. But we can't, and we don't get to. God has put us right here where we are, and this could be our earthly forever. Remember his words when he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Be willing to be weak and you'll have the power to be used. When you look at it, people that suffer through chronic and acute illness and other trials are uniquely gifted to be an encouragement to those around us. We know suffering. We have an extra measure of grace, compassion, and understanding that perhaps some other people don't have. I know that my personal nature is not one of a compassionate caregiver, but through the course of events in my life and through the lens of Jesus, I have learned to be an outstretched arm, a listening ear, and a prayer warrior on behalf of people. These things cannot be discounted in the kingdom of God.
That is important kingdom work. So, ladies, if you are finding yourself at the beginning, a new diagnosis or trial, I'm going to give you encouragement. Allow yourself a minute, just a quick minute, to sort of get over it all, soak it in, and then start to be purposeful to know God in your circumstances. I promise you, He is there. Search the scriptures. Look for truths to give you boldness and strength. Know God. Give him all the praise and glory. Perhaps some of you have been at this for a while, but you still feel or presently feel burdened by the whole thing, physically and spiritually, and I know that this comes around and goes around. Um, Resolve to continue to search him out. He is still there. Know him and pray and give him praise and give him glory. Now, there are also those of you in this room that feel peace. You see God's presence in your suffering. That is not something you keep to yourself. You've been freed of some baggage, and now is not the time to sit back and relax. There is someone out there in your sphere of influence who needs to hear about God's faithfulness. Now, you don't have to be well. You don't have to be free of your chronic illness. But when you're spiritually at peace, from that we know that God is faithful. And we know that he's faithful, not just when he heals our body, but when he gives us that sense of peace. Rejoice in it. And in Thanksgiving, give him praise. You'll be even more strengthened when you do that. And so will those around you. Don't stop knowing God. Don't stop giving him all the glory and all the praise. Now, some of you in here are caregivers. So remember the things that we spoke about today. Remember what your loved one is dealing with. Seek to be a light to them. Seek to be an encouragement. And when necessary, challenge them. All right? Help them to know God. Help them to give him praise. Remember that our ultimate deliverance is guaranteed. When we're in Christ, our ultimate deliverance is guaranteed. Choose to be Christ-centered even in the worst of your circumstances. Our reality is that we serve a sovereign God. So none of this is outside of his plan for you and me. And as a result of knowing and trusting him, we can't simply trudge along waiting for the next bad thing or even trudge along waiting for heaven. We have to be cognizant of the fact that our eternal life starts right here, right now. Okay? Know him. Pray. Give him praise. Give him glory. Well, welcome to the second half of our episode today. I'm really excited because usually we have a talk where we just hear the talk and then you hear me talk a few minutes afterwards. But today we're, I'm so excited because we are going to have a chance to chit chat with the actual speaker, Michelle Holder. So welcome, Michelle. I'm so glad that you're on the podcast here today. Hello, Julie. We um, all feel like we know you now since we've been listening to you sharing your talk And the talk, again, was called Joyfully Surviving. Um, It's great to have you on this little mini interview at the end to talk about how life is now. You know, one of my favorite things to do as a family with my husband, if we ever watch TV, we will watch a, you know, a renovating show where they fix up a house and they, you know, knock down walls and, you know, they do it all in 30 minutes, which is amazing, (laughs) right? We all know it takes like three months or a year. 
But my favorite part is when they say, hey, let's see what happens three months later, you know. Or th- So I guess we're in that spot. Yeah. We're, we're three, mo- three years later or so. So, um, like, how many years ago did you give this talk? You know, I was thinking about that, and it was pre-COVID, which seems like eons ago. But yeah, that's a long time. Um, I think it was 2019 then, so about three years ago, yeah. Yeah. So um, it, it's interesting to follow up with you now because this gives us a chance to find out maybe some more about how things are because it's one thing for someone to speak in a, in a conference talk like we heard you talk, but this is a, three years later and I, want, I wonder if any, has anything changed? Like did God miraculously heal you and your lupus? Remove it from your body, right, in the past three years? Um, can God even heal lupus? You know, is it plausible that God might never heal you? And I, I know that these are humongous questions to start with, but those let's are just, big questions. Let's yeah. just jump in. Well, first off, I think um, God can, of course, heal me. He can do anything he wants to. Um, and it might sound weird, but I don't necessarily want him to. Because I've seen over the 30 years plus that I've had this illness that um, it has brought me so much closer to him. And not only closer to him, but I actually have a joy that I don't feel that I probably had before. Mm. So I know in glory, I shall be healed. Mm. But on this, on this earth, I don't know that after 30 plus years that that's his plan. Right. And I mean, of and course. okay. Right. Of course, we know God can heal, like you said. But God's sovereignty over all of our life. Mm-hmm. And he is sovereign over all of our life. And it's good to remember that in the midst of this. One of the things I really appreciate about this talk is your challenge to view your chronic illness as a gift from God, which is not something that I think is easy to do, I'm sure. I mean, I don't even know. I don't have a chronic illness. It took a bit. I'm not sure that it's easy. Okay, so you didn't actually say that directly, but it was woven in and out of all that you said. And that's something that we've been talking about on the episodes focusing on the book Learning Contentment that we just finished Um, We've been discussing how every challenge, every trial, every problem in our life can be a gift from God if, and as we practice for us to trust him more. And that should be that we should be thankful no matter our circumstances. And again, I'm going to say that that's not easy. (laughs) Um, Do you still view your personal chronic illness as a gift from God? And how are you thankful for your illness? Absolutely, I do. And one of the biggest reasons I think is because I know myself my natural self and I know that I am egotistical and kind of self-oriented and this bag that God's given me to carry has caused me to look more outward Mm. you know there are specific ministry areas that I have a responsibility to because of it and I stop and I consider you know the roadblocks that other people have to move jump over run through whatever as they navigate what's going on in their lives And, you know, God never promised us an easy life. Right. So this has helped me to look more at the issues other people go through. Hmm. And I can really commiserate in it when I consider, you know, you we've all met that person where we think, man, they're grouchy (laughs) or they don't speak very kindly. But sometimes there's a reason for that. Sometimes people are really going through things. And so... I find that I'm not as quick to judge or to write someone off. Um, I think I've learned to be more flexible, which opens opportunities to minister and love on people. And I've learned that 
I may have plans, but there are a lot of ways that God can and will use me. Hmm. So it's all been very overwhelming and amazing. And I can't help but be thankful for that. Hmm. Well, it's good. And I, I love the little things you talked about in just what you said. Um, but, you know, there's a little, I think it's a meme that goes around, like, we just don't really know what everybody's going through. Mm-hmm. And I think the reminder that we as as adults or we as women should have some grace for those around us. Now, of course, we're going to talk more about a lot of this as we talk through. And um, there's a, it's just like, uh, makes me think of the challenges I've had going through menopause. Um, <laughs> that, you know, there's moods and there's, there's real true hormone issues. And then there's a whole bunch of sin mixed in there. Exactly. And then there's like, you know, physical issues. So this is... You got to weed it out. I don't have a chronic illness, Michelle, but I have been going through that. So (laughs) menopause rocks though, doesn't it? (laughs) All right. So, okay. Something you know about me is that I am a list maker, Michelle. I love to make lists and then, you know, I like to do the things on my list because then I can cross them off. (laughs) Sometimes I make lists under my lists. Yes. Um, I love to use colored pens. Um, I use the same colored pen to cross off things on my list. My current favorite color is this like turquoise pen from Papermate Ink Joys. I just love it. I write it with everything. I'm going to run out of ink in it and I'm gonna have to buy a new one. I guess pens consider are my like my mood right then. But let's take take a minute, Michelle, and let's make a list. Okay. Um, let's actually make a couple lists. Okay. Michelle, give me a list of maybe ten ways that someone who is struggling with a chronic illness can serve other people in their lives. Cause you talked about how that's something you can do. Um, it could be church, it could be that they, you know, choose to do these on their own. You know, we don't always have to be asked to serve. Um, one of my favorite things about serving is that we don't need to be asked to serve. Uh, we can serve people and have an attitude of service in our everyday life. And serving doesn't always have to include a lot of time or money. I mean, it doesn't even have to have any money at all, actually. So what are some good ways that someone who is struggling with a chronic illness can get their eyes off of themselves, maybe? You talked a little bit about that and maybe on other people. Let me hear your top 10. All right. Well, I would say overall, one of the biggest things I learned in all this was how many choices I get to make. And one of those choices is whether I want to shut up inside myself like a cocoon and avoid or think that I can't serve people because I'm sick. Okay. Or whatever. But overall, I would say that how I would serve really shouldn't look any different than how anybody else would serve. Well, it's funny you said that, and it made me think of how easy it is for women in general to isolate. Mm. And that's what you were saying. Yeah. And we have lots of reasons why we isolate ourselves. Sure. We might isolate because we don't like, you know, our circumstance. We might have a chronic illness. We might isolate because we don't feel like we have any friends. You know what mm. I mean? We start to think nobody or our cares. our house isn't good enough. Yes. Or yes. whatever. So there are a lot of reasons, and this just happens to be one yeah. With a lot of potential for excuse making. And I say don't go there. Okay. Um, so this is like in no particular order. But one of the things we can always do and we should do, whether we have a chronic illness or not, is listen to God. You know, he often places someone on my heart to reach out to or to pray for. Sometimes when I'm driving down the road or I've even been, been awakened from hmm. sleep with someone on my mind Hmm. and just be obedient to that to check on that person or pray for that person whatever it is you feel like God is asking Mm, you that's good on the same line be a listening ear to whoever God sends your way Um, don't and you know sometimes I'm not good at this it's a difference between commiserating 
and listening. Hmm. You know, and sometimes you want to add, oh, yeah, I went through that too. But instead, just listen. Hmm. Don't make it about you. Don't change the conversation. Just listen. And sometimes that is the best balm for mm-hmm. someone's spirit is that's, to have someone listening that's like women and their labor stories oh right yeah. you think <laughs> you think your labor story is bad let me tell you about mine so yeah i like that right. just to listen that's good just listen um like i said these are in no particular order i text people regularly like if i've seen or heard something they've done good or heard that they are struggling through something i'm a texter i send out lots of texts a day you know just to let somebody know that you know i yeah. care for them and that um you know, they have somebody out there. And that is such an easy thing to do. It is very easy. So, And there's some cute little emojis you can add there. to it. <laughs> I'm not much of an emoji user, but I do have this bitmoji. Oh, yes. That I like to use. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. I like that. Of course, we can pray. Always. Always. Hmm. But especially focus on the times when you don't feel well. You know, if you are laying in bed or you are on the couch for a particular day because you have no energy or that headache or whatever, pray. Use Mm. that time to pray. Don't use that time to wallow in self-pity. The next one I wish I was better at, and that's writing notes. Mm. A note is such an amazing tool to minister to someone. And quite often I have found personally that a note shows up in my mailbox at the best time, Mm -hmm. you know. When I'm going through something, I'm feeling low. Uh, just to know that someone cares for me, that I'm on their radar. I mm. mean, that's a priceless thing. Yeah. And again, that really costs very minimal right, right. to do. It's just the time. It doesn't have to be like 10 pages long. No. It can, you can open the note up and it can just say, I love you. Yeah. You know? I, I got a note recently from someone who was praying for me about something and it just said literally, dear Julie, I'm praying for you about this situation. And then it had a verse written in it Mm -hmm. on a card. And I took that verse out and stuck it. And I thought that's a really good way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I like those when people just tuck in a little card with verses that you can like smack on your mirror or whatever. Um, Another idea is just spend some time. Even if you're not a high energy person, you probably have the energy to grab a coffee or make a coffee or have them over to sit on your porch. You know, those are things that are good. Uh, When you feel good, I say, get up and get to it. You know, make meals, help with people's kids, bless people however they need it. Mm -hmm. One way that I found that I'm pretty good at is being a taxi. You know, not just for my own kids, but I've taken people to the doctor, to a meeting. Hmm. That's pretty simple. Yeah. You know, Um, no matter what it is you're doing, though, you have to choose to be cheerful. And choose to be encouraging. And believe it or not, that is one of the greatest services mm-hmm. that you can be for people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, because ultimately, through that, you get to point people to God, to his truth. You know, and remind them that things happen for a reason. God is sovereign. Mm-hmm. We cannot go around saying God is sovereign and not believe it in this part. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, it, we really play it out in our lives, whether we really believe those truths, because we can say those truths all day long till we're blue in the face. Right. But if we are not actually living them, then we really don't believe it. Those are really good points because, and actually what's interesting as I listen to you, Michelle, is those are points that we talked about for someone who's struggling through a chronic illness for like how they could serve. 
But actually, those are good points for anybody listening today. Exactly. I don't think there should be any difference. Yeah. And I think about different times in my life where, although I have not had a chronic illness, I've had things that have, you know, been difficult. Like, oh, I had a six weeks where I had hurt my knee. Mm-hmm. And so these would be easy to be applicable right then. I remember having a lot of... um sickness during a couple of my pregnancies and I was down and out on the couch for a long time and so it's good to hear these ideas and these are good I wish I would have heard these you know 20 years ago although it's okay this is where we are we we know God's sovereign so this is when we need to listen to them today right Mm -hmm. okay let's make another list are you ready okay all right give me 10 your top 10 verses um bible verses that someone who is struggling through a chronic illness could sort of like you know pack up in their care package and meditate on you know, maybe somebody who's listening right now might even want to jot some of these down and they could, you know, put them onto a little index card. Or if you know a friend who might be struggling, you could write down some of these verses with your beautiful pens and calligraphy and all those colors and send them in one of those notes you talked about earlier. All right, Michelle, give us some of your verses. Well, and actually, just kind of as an offshoot, I did give away a ring of verses when oh. I did this talk yes. way back when. So, cool. Well, you, you know, could make a whole ring. I think that's a beautiful idea, especially when someone is going to go through something. Mm -hmm. Like I was made a ring when I was going through a certain treatment for this illness. And it really was so, Mm -hmm. I hooked it to my purse and took it with me every time. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. That's awesome. I love it. All right. So let's see. One of my first verses is Isaiah 41.10, which says, do not fear for I'm with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Mm, love that verse. It is, it is great. And it reminds us, as several of these that I have in my list, that, you know, there's nowhere else we can look to for strength. I know people who do look around to others, to activities, um, not great activities, you know, other places for their strength. But really, if you want to make it through a trial, the only place to look for strength is in God. Hmm. And it comes from him and his, and his hand. There's no other way. Hmm. Yes. Amen. All right. The next one um, is specifically 2 Corinthians four sixteen, but I do go on to 17 and 18. So it is, therefore, do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. And then 17 and 18 goes on to say, For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Hmm. You know, this one's for everybody. Yes. You know, some of us are more aware of our decay. You know, mine's been a common topic since I was 17. You know, that's pretty young. But, you know, we have to really relate our earthly decay to our eternal growth. That should be a goal of ours. Hmm. That as our body decays, we find ourselves more in tune, at peace with God Hmm. and with our eternity. Yeah, that's really good. I love, love those verses. The next is, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And that comes from Psalm 73, 26. Hmm. And then also from Psalms uh, 73, verse 28. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. 
I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all of your works. So like I said before, I've seen a lot of people who are in the midst of trial seek refuge elsewhere when really those things just hasten your mm. your destruction. Mm-hmm. So you, we have to go to God. We have to make him our refuge. And the Psalms is full of verses. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, the next one comes from Psalms as well. So preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Mm. That's Psalm 16, 1 and 2. And again, another psalm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge. Till the storms of destruction pass by. I will cry out to God most high. To God who fulfills his purposes for me. Hmm. And that's Psalm 57, 1 and 2. Those are great. You know, I love those because um, there's just, they, they point to God. Mm-hmm. All of those. I mean, that's what the whole Bible does. But those particular Psalm verses that you mentioned, and that is great. I think I need reminders of that. And mm-hmm. I'm guessing you do too. All the time. Yeah. All the time. Um, the next few have to do with rejoicing. Because hmm. really, we are called to rejoice in all things. And, and when we see God's face in our trials, we are able to truly rejoice. So First Peter 1, 6, and 7, 6 to 7 says... In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though renewed, may result in praise, glory, and honor hmm. when Jesus Christ is revealed. Hmm. I love First Peter. <laughs> I studied it in a Bible study a couple of years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, and it was really good to be reminded of God in Christ, you know, Jesus is there with us in trials. Mm-hmm. It's a, a good book to read. Exactly. Um, Psalm 57, 9 to 11 says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let mm. your glory be over all the earth. Mm. Amen. So praising God in the midst of trials really lightens the load. Mm. A joyful, thankful heart is buoyant. Mm. You know, and having trials to go through can weigh us down so much that this really is the antidote mm. to praise God in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Joshua 1.9 is one of my favorites. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Hmm. I think I made my kids memorize that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. Yep. It's, it's a lot of things. Um, Psalm 56.3 says, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. Hmm. That's like another one to memorize because mm-hmm. it's so short. And here we are back in the Psalms. Yeah. <laughs> and Psalm 138.1 says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Mm. Amen. And Galatians 1.15, before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. So just that one just should remind you that there are no accidents. There's nothing that's outside of his command 
if he brought you to it, he will see you through it. I think mm-hmm. I've heard somebody yep. say once before. Yep. And it's true. Yeah, right? for sure. And then there's one, my final one, I would say, is written kind of in a, the context of it is a little bit different, but still thinking through this one, when you feel down and out, um, reminds you that you have to kick it back in gear and remember God's goodness Hmm. and love for you. And that comes from Psalms again, and it's Psalms 13. And it says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day have sorrow in my heart. Hmm. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praises for he has been good to me. Hmm. That's just a great verse. Great. It's not even a verse. It's a whole chapter. Yeah. Because it starts with how we often start when we're challenged. And this is for anybody. You know, right. This isn't someone just with chronic illness. This is anybody who's struggling with a trial. We often start with questions in our head. You know, are you there, God? Do you care? Do you mm-hmm. hear me? Do you know I'm down here dealing with this? And then I love the psalmist flipping this into praise and glory towards God. I think that's fabulous and great for anybody. Okay, so wow, those are great. Those are all really good. Like if we're going to make a care package of verses, those Mm -hmm. would be good ones. And that would be a really good thing to do if you have a friend who's going through it, is to do just what someone did for you and maybe make those on index cards. And then, of course, get out your laminator and laminate them because (laughs) you have to use a laminator. If you don't own one, I don't even want to talk to you because laminators are fabulous. (laughs) I don't have one. Okay, I'm sorry, Michelle. But really, I mean, seriously, making those cards, uh, you know, those verses on an index card. um, Some people are fancy and will do them on the computer and print them. But how, what a great gift that would be to give to somebody. Mm -hmm. It's just the word of God ready for them. Um, Okay, Michelle, I have room on my little um, virtual uh, list page my journal here let's make 10 things that women who do not have a chronic illness can do to encourage serve and bless those who do have a chronic illness what are some things that were helpful to you or could have been helpful to you okay well the first one i would say is pray Hmm. every single day requires prayer not just when someone with a chronic illness is going through a special treatment or a particularly rough time But every day, Um, each day can be a challenge for someone with a chronic illness. So it is encouraging to know that someone out there is praying for you. Hmm, I love that. Uh, I love the verse, pray without ceasing. Mm -hmm. Because it's true. I mean, it's biblical. Right. It's really, really good. What else you got? Um, One thing that I would say is I will let you know when I'm physically or mentally unable to serve. So ask me. Don't have any preconceived notion that I'm a sickie or whatever it is. Just ask me. Ask Hmm. me to participate. I want, along that same line, I want to have good times and be in on things. You know, everybody wants to have their circle or their ripple Hmm. of people and experiences and we're no different so ask us to participate okay so can you think of a time right now when someone kind of included you in something that maybe others might have thought you couldn't do 
I'm really throwing this at you right now. So. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I mean. And where you found go- great joy in being a part of it. There are physical activities that are more of a challenge for me, but I love them. And maybe the next day I have to hang oh. out in my bed. Okay. So like canoeing or going for walks or um, camping or playing volleyball. Sure, sure. Or just anything. You know, if I really can't do it that day, I'll let you know. But I'm almost always going to try. Yeah. And if you're prepared ahead and you get to go play volleyball one evening or something and you know the next day, you just might need to take it easy. Correct. Yeah. But let me decide that. Yeah. I like that. Okay, good. All right. Keep going. All right. Um, You know, even just inviting me to a late night euchre party. Okay. You know, late nights aren't my forte, but I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. Just to get to hang out with. Yeah you know, bright, smiley faces and to have a good time. So um, let's see. Another thing you could do is you could tell me what you're going through Hmm. and how I can pray for you. You know, my stuff isn't the only stuff out there. Hmm. I am, most of us don't believe that we're the only one on the planet who's suffering from something. Right. We know that particularly God asks us all to walk through something so tell me what your something is and let me pray with you. Hmm. That's good. You could remember that I am more than this trial that God's given me. There are other things I like to do and talk about. Um, so let's talk about it. Right. Like you certainly have hobbies. I do. Or or things you're interested in or books you've been reading. And yes. those are great conversations to have. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love it. All right. And then... Um, Probably one of the more difficult ones that I've struggled with throughout the years is having people hold me accountable for my moods, my snapbacks, my irritations. Okay. Um, you know, it, it is sin mixed with um, medication side effects and illness side effects but Mm -hmm. talk to me about it Mm. you know I've had people just write me off because wow she's a grouch yeah I was a grouch come to me and talk to me about it Mm -hmm. you know let's let's clarify the circumstances and and let me have a chance to make it right Mm -hmm. I like that one so much Michelle I think that's a really good application again here we are back to this is not just for someone with a chronic illness (laughs) Because I know for me, I actually recently responded in a super icky way to a good friend. I was just harsh. I was mean-spirited. I had just, it was just really unlike me. But it was sin. And then it was also some crazy hormones. Mm-hmm. And I had been having some insomnia for about two weeks prior every single night. So I was really sleep-deprived. Sleep um, and I appreciate that you, you said, hold me accountable, right? And then let me make it right. I think those are two really good things. And actually, this woman, this friend of mine, told me that I was in the wrong for my my bad thoughts and how I responded and that they weren't true. Um, she did this kindly. And she said, you know, it, I, I know you have a lot going on, <laughs> which is true. It took me a day or two, but then I called my friend back and, you know, asked for her forgiveness for being nasty. And she just responded extremely graciously to me. Um, she and... I mean, now I just want to forget about the conversation, but here I'm bringing it up on a podcast, so now we can relive it over and over. But the truth is, she didn't write me off because I was mean or nasty. She knew that it was a moment in time, and we all sin 
all over each other all the time, don't we? Mm -hmm. And we all need second chances. Sometimes we need third chances and we need to be giving that to people. And, you know, of course, if we do respond, as we've talked on the podcast in Feminology about, if we respond in a hard way, like it's not sin, there's no sin involved in this, it's just that I don't feel well or that I'm just sleep deprived, that's where there's a problem. We got to acknowledge how it blends together. And I know it's hard to weed through. I mean... I think it's really hard to weed through and figure out it is. what's going on here. But we got to give each other grace. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And I think that is huge. Yes. For sure. Yes, definitely. Hmm. What else you got? Any other things that um, would be good? Well, I do. This kind of reiterates some of the things I've already said. But I like play dates too, you know. I know sometimes I have little kids because we foster. So sometimes I like to take them to the park with other moms to the park but sometimes just me is fine too yeah you know we can go do something together or if you're in my neighborhood stop by you know my door door is generally open so all right I'm going to I'm taking you up on that yes please (laughs) I will Uh, I'm so so grateful Michelle for your thoughts and ideas you know I think sometimes it's good to stop and think about really what it's like to be in somebody else's shoes Uh, I do think I got a feel for what it would be like to wear the shoes of lupus through both your recorded talk that we listened to and our little mini interview. Although what I these shoes I put on, I mean, they're not staying on forever. So I only get a little touch. And I love that you continue, continually pointed us to keeping our eyes on Christ. And I actually wanted to end with a verse that you shared, but it's actually one of my favorite verses that I use when I'm going through a trial. It's been a great joy to me to review over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> I could keep doing the overs because it's it's really what we need to do. Right. And I have a feeling that it will be an encouragement to anybody listening, but especially those who are struggling through a chronic illness. It's um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and it starts in verse 7. And I'm going to read 7 through 12, and then I'm going to read 17 and 18. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And then if we jump down to verses 17 and 18, it's that same one you read. Mm -hmm. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Mm, Amen. I, I just think that's a great way for us to end today. We really do, no matter what trial it is, okay, chronic illness, a move across the country, a cancer diagnosis, which would be, you know, acute type, an mm-hmm. acute type of an illness. It could be, you know, an unsaved husband. I mean, there are so many trials that we have in our lives. Right. And you know what? This is such a great thing to remember. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus and that our citizenship isn't on, on earth. It is in heaven. And if there's anything to be encouraged with today, let's let's remember that in heaven we won't be dealing with these things, right? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Michelle, thanks so much for coming on, you know, today and sharing a little bit more. You know, here's our little follow-up interview, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on this topic of, and I think it was called Joyfully Surviving, but I think you switched the title on me. 
and it's joyfully thriving. Yeah, who wants to just survive? I agree. Nobody. (laughs) All right, Michelle, would you pray for us today? I will. Yeah, thank you, Julie. Heavenly Father, Sovereign God, you are good and you are kind. When we approach trials of any kind, help us remember your loving attributes. Help us to remember that you work all things for our good and your glory. Give us hearts that seek you for strength, that abide with thanksgiving in your plan for our lives. May we seek to show love and compassion to others as they walk difficult paths, just as we desire to be shown love and compassion. May we live our lives to your glory, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. Thanks, Michelle, for coming on. Thanks for having me. This episode um, sort of ended our series on contentment that we've been focused on. But I have to tell you, as we've learned in the contentment series, it's not something that you can just check off your list. (laughs) It's something we're always working on. Um, If you didn't get a chance to listen to any of our book chats, I would encourage you now as a good chance to go back and listen. Um, And and actually, I tend to listen to the episode when it comes out. And so I'm always like, oh, wow, I, I said that? I need to live that, you know? So, so this is good for all of us, okay? It's something we probably need to visit often. On our episodes on Unshaken is the topic of contentment. Um, I hope you'll keep listening. Hey, next week, we're going to jump into a very unique episode on the podcast. We're actually going to talk about the real process of studying your Bible using a special method called Search and Do. I'm going to have my friend Wendy on and we're going to talk through how you can study a passage in the Bible. You don't need to have a whole bunch of extra supplies. You can just kind of walk through a passage and we're going to do that together. Um, And this is just a really great uh, way to study the Bible. If you've ever wondered how to do this, um, you know, what if you don't understand something or you have a question about something you've read, this episode is for you. And it's not really a new way. It's just kind of a helpful pattern to study any passage in the Bible. So I hope you join us for that next week. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.